0: Disciples Church is a church plant in Canyon, Texas. We are a church without walls that is focused on evangelism and discipleship. We believe that we are saved by Jesus, changed by Jesus, and are on mission with Jesus. Join us as we make disciples verse by verse. Well, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 53 through 56. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore of Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whenever he went out into the villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the end of his robe. And everyone who touched it was healed. This is God's word. So why can't we see things when they're staring us right in the face? Well, Jeremy Wolfe at the Harvard Medical School answered this question while speaking at a symposium back in 2008. He said, the reason we can't see things that are staring us right in the face is due to the phenomenon called change blindness. He used a PowerPoint to show multiple slides that may or may not have been changed from the previous slide, and he asked his audience to identify what was the difference um, in the two slides. Well, the audience failed to discover those changes that were being made right in front of their eyes. And after watching the audience fail multiple times at discovering the difference in those slides, he revealed his theory. Visual attentiveness is born of limited resources, he said. The basic problem is that far more information lands on your eyes than you can possibly analyze, Dr. Wolf said. So there's too much information coming at you too fast and that makes you miss the changes. His symposium ended with a strong su- by, by him strongly suggesting that the visual system can only focus on one thing or very few things at a time, which is why most of us will miss the very things that are staring us in the face. And the disciples in Mark chapter 6, verses 53 53 through 56 are guilty of this. Jesus has been putting on display the fact that he is God right before their eyes. He has healed many. He has cast out demons. He has raised the dead. He has multiplied bread and fed over 5,000 men. He has calmed the sea and the wind. He has control over our health and over nature itself. And if that is not enough, he told them that his divine name, his title, he gave them the name Yahweh. Or perhaps they have missed what was right in front of their face because they have seen too much perhaps their brains are on overload. There have been mobs of people who have been brought to Jesus for healing. The Pharisees have tried to kill him. His family has tried to arrest him. He had to resist a zealot revolution, and perhaps they have just seen too much. There's been too much going on, and so they have missed what was right in front of their faces all along. And in verse 52 of chapter 6, Mark made it clear, the more you miss, the harder your heart becomes. You see, we have a responsibility to pay attention to what is right in front of us, to behold Jesus, to see him as he really is. And this morning, we are to worship him, and we are to look at him and see exactly who he is and what he reveals about God. Here's the big idea this morning, and this is what we're moving toward. Those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel. Here's the big idea again. Those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel. If you have not been sharing the gospel... Well then perhaps you have missed what was staring you right in the face. If you did not de- if you don't know that you desperately need the gospel, if if there was any other way Uh, If there was any other way, then God would have never put it on human flesh and come to save you. And so perhaps this morning, you need to see what is right in front of your face. You need to see who Jesus really is. And then you need to clearly see who you really are and how much you need Him. And then you need to live in that reality. And when you live in that reality, then you take that message to everyone because you know that if you need the gospel, so does everyone else. You see those who share the gospel or those who desperately know they need the gospel. So even though Jesus has has shown the disciples multiple times who he is and what is expected of them as disciples, they have missed what was right in front of their faces. And instead of responding in anger toward them and pushing them away, he actually teaches them again and again and again. See, this text should actually fill you with hope, for our God is patient with his disciples. The text before you this morning will put on display the patience of God and the persistence of God in discipleship. Like he is kind and he is patient with them as they fail to see what is happening right in front of their faces. And he gives them every chance. And even though they miss it, he continues to make his expectations of discipleship very clear. As a disciple, they are to copy their rabbi. Right? Their rabbi was going into every town to preach the gospel. And likewise, the disciples are expected to go into every town and preach the gospel. And so far, they have failed to do that. Right? Remember our text last week, the disciples were to cross the sea to go to Bethsaida to preach the gospel, but they failed to reach their destination, and instead they land in Gennesaret, and when they land there, the master teacher is going to show them what a true evangelist looks like. You see, although they have failed to reach Bethsaida and preach the gospel to them by his divine providence, by his patience, and by his persistence in their discipleship, they land in the land of Gennesaret for a lesson of a lifetime, You see, those who share the gospel are those who desperately, who those who know they desperately need the gospel, and those who share the gospel are those, and they are not the ones that we would expect, right? We would expect the disciples to be doing this, somebody who has seen what Jesus has done, but it's someone else. And likewise, we would expect the church to be sharing the gospel, but usually it's someone else. Well, this morning, in order to highlight the patience and persistence of Jesus while discipling his disciples, we're going to look at our text in three different headings. First, we're going to look at the evangelist. Second, we're going to look at the crowds. Um, And then number three, we're going to look at the result of discipleship. And then when we return at the end for application, in order to be discipled, we're going to look at three things. You will need a very, very clear view of who Jesus is. You will need a clear view of yourself. And you will need an unwavering commitment to evangelism. So let us first begin by looking at point number one, the evangelist. Who is the evangelist in this text? Well, we'll look at verses 53 through 56 with me and let's try to discover how these people know about Jesus. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Ganessa Red and anchored there. And as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. Notice that. They already saw, they, they already, he hasn't been here yet, but they know who he is. Well, they hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into the villages, towns, into the country. And they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch the end of his robe. Pay very close attention to that little phrase. They just want to touch the end of his robe. And so this Jesus, like, someone told them about Jesus, and, and this someone knows that if you just touch the end of his robe, you'll be healed. And so who has spread this word? Like, who has told everybody about what Jesus can do? Have the disciples been running from town to town, um, proclaiming the name of Jesus and what he can do, and telling everyone, if you can simply just touch the end of his robe, you'll be healed? Well, no, they haven't done that. They were reluctant to do that. They were commanded to do that, and instead of doing that, they have failed to do that. They have been reluctant. But there is someone There is someone, someone who has clearly seen who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. If they can only touch his robe, they can be healed. Someone's been spreading this message throughout the countryside, and this someone has evangelized Ganesa Red and the surrounding towns. Well, it doesn't appear that that someone has has been commanded to do that, but this someone was deeply touched by the work of Jesus, and so the someone who wasn't commanded to do that is doing that because they were healed by Jesus. See, the deeper you are healed by Jesus, the more passionately you spread the gospel about Jesus. See, the, those who share the gospel are those who desperately know they need the gospel. And so who is this someone? Who is this someone who's spreading the gospel all around the regions of Gennesaret? Who is this someone who is telling everyone, if you can just touch the end of his robe, you will be healed? Who is this person? Well, earlier in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, we discovered a woman, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And in desperation, she pushed her way through the crowd and to herself in Matthew, or in Mark chapter 5, verse 28, she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. And and then instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed from her affliction. Immediately Jesus, in in Mark chapter 5, verse 30, said this, he realized the power had gone out of him. He turned around to the ground and he said, who touched my clothes? And then this woman fell trembling before him because she was unclean. She was unclean, and she touched the clean, and and instead of defiling him, though, he healed her. And so he tells her that her faith has healed her, and she is told to go in peace, but she does more than that, right? She doesn't just go in peace. She becomes the evangelist. She goes around and telling everyone, right? Like, if you can just touch the end of his clothes, like, he will heal you. And see, those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel. See, maybe the reason that you don't actually share the gospel is because you don't know how badly you need the gospel. Maybe you need your eyes opened. Right? She was seen as unclean for 12 years. That means that no one in this community would have wanted anything to do with her. They wouldn't have touched her. She would have been like a leper to them. But Jesus was different. When she saw Jesus and she touched him, Jesus took what was broken and he healed it. And that has changed her life, her status, her acceptance by people. You see, the deeper you are healed and touched by Jesus, the more passionately you spread his fame throughout the land. The disciples are being taken to school here by the master rabbi. See, if you would just open your Bible just for a moment and study, you can maybe be taught by the rabbi as well. You see, those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel. You see, there are those who would call themselves disciples, and no doubt the 12 here would call themselves disciples, and they have been reluctant at sharing the gospel. They have failed at their mission. And like I told you last week, verse 52 made it clear. Because of that failing, their hearts were hardened. And instead of becoming insiders as they were chosen, they actually became outsiders. And then, and then there are those, there are those who are like the woman, the outcast. Those who have been bleeding for 12 years. And when she encountered Jesus, it changed her on the spot. She was at the deepest point of desperation. And instead of rejecting her, Jesus redeemed her. And and that deep healing led to a passionate pursuit of spreading his glory throughout the land. She becomes the insider. She becomes the evangelist. And she goes out throughout the region of Gennesaret, telling everyone, if you can only touch the end of his robe, then you will be healed. And Jesus tried, like he tried to create this experience for his disciples. He sent them into the storm to produce a deep awareness of just how badly they needed him. But they failed to see it. But she didn't. So let us behold a minute, the evangelist. We have an outsider, we have a woman, we have the least likely, the one who has been rejected for over 12 years, who becomes the insider. And when Jesus healed her, it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed everything. So Jesus, although they were sent into the storm so Jesus could open their eyes to see how much they needed him, they missed it, but she didn't. She had spent all of her money on physicians trying and seeking to be healed, and she was at her end, and then she came to Jesus, and he healed her. You see, those who share the gospel are those who desperately know they need the gospel. See, perhaps you are not lacking in the ability to share the gospel, for there are opportunities all around you. But really what's actually happening is you don't see clearly yet. Maybe you don't know how much you actually need the gospel. You see, those who share the gospel are those who desperately know they need the gospel. The text is written by Mark to a Jewish audience over 2,000 years ago, and but it's also here for you. You see, maybe you need to be a disciple this morning. See, based on what we see in this text, those who share the gospel are those who desperately know they need the gospel. You see, this woman was helpless without Jesus. And when he, and when she was healed by Jesus, she couldn't quit talking about him. She went everywhere and told everybody about him. You see, those who have... But well, here's the sad reality. Those who have spent the most time with Jesus are the ones who actually missed what was staring them right in the face. The disciples, once again, have become way too familiar with their need for Jesus. You see, church has become, so you see it's like churches have become way too familiar with Jesus, and they can't see how badly they need Jesus. And so instead of rowing the boat with all of their energy and going to Beseda to tell the lost about the kingdom of God, they just stop rowing. They don't know how badly they need Jesus, and so they, they give up on their mission. And when they gave up on their mission, and they were reluctant to do their mission, their hearts grew hard. So church, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you a serious question. Are you like the disciples? Like, 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 would you know, you would no doubt call yourself a disciple, but let me ask you the question, have you stopped rowing? Have you stopped sharing the gospel? Have you stopped spreading his fame and glory throughout the land, telling any and all who would come to Jesus that if you can just touch him, you'll be healed? Like, have you ever shared the gospel? See, then this text was given to you. Based on what I can see in the text, those who share the gospel or spread Jesus' fame are those who desperately know they need the gospel. See, here's what I mean. Like, like, like rarely do we, do, does someone who grows up in church become an amazing evangelist because they don't know how badly they need to be saved. They actually think they're pretty good people. And instead, what we actually see is the drug dealer, um, the one who was converted in prison upon hearing the gospel, he discovered just how far away he was from God. And then he gets saved because he was just like the bleeding woman. He had nowhere left to turn. He reaches out to God and he says, listen, I can't do it. And, and then upon his conversion, this person, this person who was once lost and hopeless becomes saved. And then once he becomes saved, he becomes a true disciple. And then he begins telling everybody about this Jesus who can save them. While the church is very reluctant at sharing the gospel has to be forced into the boat and sent across the sea. The drug dealer who has done too much wrong he can see the dr- the truth and as that truth settles that truth settles deeply into his soul he reaches a point of desperation and as Jesus heals him, he becomes the man who will walk on water to take the gospel to any other inmates around him. he becomes the man who will take the gospel to anybody who will listen. And and honestly, we can see it right now, right? Like the pastors and missionaries who are staying in Ukraine, we know they're staying there because they know honestly how much they need the gospel, and so they know that the people of Ukraine need the gospel, and so they won't give up. You see, if you are not actively sharing the gospel right now, then brothers and sisters, I don't think you truly know how much you need the gospel. So how badly do you know you need Jesus? The bleeding woman had nowhere left to turn. You see, Jesus showed the disciples how badly they needed him, but they missed the point. They missed what was right in front of their faces, You see, you must realize how lost you are before you would reach out and touch the robe of the Savior. But when you get healed, then you will actually become the evangelist. So how badly do you know you need Jesus? Well, we can tell how badly you need him by how passionately you take the gospel to the lost. Are you more like the disciples in the boat, or are you more like the bleeding woman who can't stop talking about him? Well, well, let us not turn our attention to point number two, the crowd. What is the master teacher teaching his disciples as he serves the crowd here? Well, the teaching should become obvious at this point. The kingdom of God is not aimed at those that we thought it would be. Right, for we thought that Jesus's ministry would have began in the religious institutions of the day, like the these synagogues and the, and the and the temple. We thought it would have began there, but instead Jesus picked up disciples who nobody else wanted. He picked up the rejects, and instead of going to the religious institutions and and approving and them approving of him and supporting him, they wanted to kill him. You see, the people that Jesus is going after is the one that no one, the people that nobody else wants, the rejected, the lepers, the passed over fishermen, the sick, the lame, the blind, the demon possessed, the unclean. He is going after what is broken. He is going to the secondhand store. You see, he is going after those who know they need help. You see, unlike the other healing stories in Mark, this story doesn't come with Jesus teaching the crowd anything. Right? There's no dialogue with the sick. There's no dialogue with the demonic. There's no word from him at all. The Savior actually remains speechless in this story. You see, I think the master teacher, the teacher, is showing the disciples something that has been standing right in front of them all along. This story is is used by Jesus to draw us into something. You see, you see, Jesus. We in this in the story, we see that the most desperate are the ones who are running toward him. They like they, like the disciples have been told all along what to do, and they haven't done it. Um, but the bleeding woman did it, and in desperation, that, that word begins to spread, and then, and then throughout the town, all those who are desperate begin running toward Jesus. And this is what happens whenever our eyes are open to see the truth about our spiritual condition. See, here's what's really cool about this text. When a person takes the time to look deeply into their own soul, something happens. For, for the original reader in verse 56, something happens that it would cause them to have looked deep in their own soul. Right, like like, look at the end of verse 56, whenever it says they begged him that they might just touch the end of his robe. Well, like something, when when they ask this, like when they're actually touching something very specific. You see something, this is something that is very specific that would have caused them, that would have provoked a deep look into their own soul. The end of his robe. That little, that little line, the end of his robe, for the original reader would have been a clear designation that Jesus was an observant Jew. And you can get this from Mark chapter 1, verse 44, and Mark chapter 5, verse 28. Jesus is an observant Jew. And and for on the end of Jesus' robe, there would have been four tassels sewn on the end of his robe. And those those tassels would have been reminders of the commandments of God. So far, everyone, listen, everyone who has worn these tassels, those tassels would have reminded them of the commandments of God and to keep them. But they also would have reminded them of their previous failures to keep them. For one of the commandments would have been, you shall not tell a lie. Well, how many lies have you told? And and then another commandment would have been, you cannot dishonor your mother and your father. Well, how many times have you done that? And, And then another commandment would have been, you can't covet. That means you can't want anything that belongs to someone else. And how many times have you done that? And so really, as the broken people who are running toward Jesus to touch his robe, they're actually reaching down to touch his tassels. And when they do that, they would have been reminded of their failure to keep those commandments. You see, by reaching out and touching the tassels that are hanging off of Jesus's robe, they were literally coming to grips with a, with a deep inner reality. They have broken the law. And, and, that, and that is a representation to them in their physical brokenness. For them, at that time, they believed that their physical ailments were due to their spiritual failures. They believed that their physical problems, their physical bodies that were broken, were due to their spiritual failures. And so by touching the tassels on the ends of Jesus' robe, they were acknowledging that the laws of God were good, and they were meant to be kept, but they didn't keep them, and so they are acknowledging that they need to be saved. These tassels would have been a representation of what they had done wrong. But the four tassels that are hanging off the robe of our Savior would have been a proclamation of his perfection. For he alone is wearing tassels that would have told a story about his perfect life. For his tassels would not have been an indictment or a scarlet letter proclaiming what he has done wrong. No, his tassels would have been describing his perfect life that he has lived for 30 years. He is not like you and me and everyone else who would have touched his tassels. You see, the last word in in, in verse 56, it says this, and everyone who touched him was healed. The Greek word healed here actually is the word saved. And, And so imagine this. It says everyone who touched him is saved. Like we get a picture once again of the Great Exchange. We have crowds of people who are broken, lost, outsiders, running to Jesus, touching the commandments that are hanging off of his body those commandments would have been an indictment against them, a judgment against them, for they have broken those commandments. And as they touch those tassels, instead of receiving judgment from God, they are healed physically, which is a picture of what is going to happen to them spiritually whenever Jesus carries those tassels to the cross. For in a real way, when they have touched his tassels, they have exchanged their life for his. Right? The unclean has become clean and the clean has become unclean and so this is represented in their physical healing so jesus is using something that they already know to be true and he uses it to show them that the commandments of god must be kept if they're going to be healed and so although they have broken them he has kept them And so everyone who has touched them will be saved, and that is represented by their physical healing. Remember, physical healings were never an end in themselves, but they were a clear and divine representation of what was going to happen on the cross whenever Jesus would be wrapped in those tassels and slaughtered so we could be healed. That means these people, as they reached out to touch him, they knew what they did wrong. They knew how desperately they needed to be saved. And so the evangelist told him, if you'll just run to Jesus and touch the ends of his tassels, his robe, then you will be healed. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how lost you are. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how paralyzed you are. It doesn't matter how how much of a leper you are. There is no one who is unsavable. There's no one who's too lost to be saved. In fact, the more lost you are, the more desperate you are to touch him. And that's what he was trying to create for the disciples. And listen, this text is actually going to become full of evangelists. Look at the text. Those who touch him, then turn around and go and run and tell everybody and they're so desperate to tell everybody that they bring those who can't even bring themselves to jesus on mats they bring the paralyzed to him because they want them to be healed to be saved those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel and to them the 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 clean jesus is the only one who could take their unclean brokenness and change that he is the only one who can save them and so that then takes us to point number three, the, the result of discipleship. So what is happening to the disciples here? Well, the disciples don't get it. No, they really don't. Like, they don't get it. Like, it's, it's changing. Everything is changing right in front of their eyes, and they don't see it. For Jesus has, did his entire ministry right before their eyes, but they missed it until one day they're going to get it. Oh, they're going to get it. He's patient. And so one day they'll get it. So in this text, the disciples are reluctant. They hesitated. They didn't want to get in the boat, right? He had to force them. He had to take them by force into the boat, send them out into the sea, and then they fail to row, right? They fail to row, and so Jesus takes them to Gennesaret for the lesson of a lifetime so they can see what happens whenever somebody gets it, so they can see the result of an evangelist. See, right now, right now, just about everything in the world would stop the disciples from advancing the gospel. right? They're, they're, they are outsiders at this point. They have failed. But something changes at the end of Mark. They get it. You see, the resurrected Jesus opens their mind to understand who he really is for this entire time. Jesus has been trying to show them that he is God, and and he's been trying to show them that that they, more than anyone else, needed him. But they missed it. But they, they're going to get it at the end of Mark. And when they recognize just how badly they need Jesus, nothing will stop them from advancing the gospel. They become, they become those who share the gospel because they know how desperately they need the gospel. And so they took the sharing of the gospel so serious that they went into town after town after town, region after region after region, and it eventually cost them their lives. See, there was no storm that would stop them at the end of the book of Mark, throughout the book of Acts. Nothing would stop them. No demons could stop them. The only thing that would silence them is death itself. Right? They all became just like Jesus. They all became just like the evangelist, the bleeding woman who was healed. You see, 11 of the 12 disciples, 11 of the 12, eventually, eventually, after being spiritually healed by Jesus after the resurrection, um, they, they, there would be this, this, this fire that would be lit into their hearts about the gospel, and the flame would be fanned hotter and hotter and hotter as persecution arised, and nothing would stop them except death. You see, James, the son of Sebedee, the one who's here, he would later get executed by Herod in AD 44 for sharing the gospel. You see, Peter was martyred in Rome in AD 66. He was killed, and, and he wanted to be crucified. They were going to crucify him, and so he begged that he could be crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die as the, in the same manner that my Lord did. Do you think he got it? Well, he absolutely got it. He finally discovered how much he needed Jesus, and he was willing to go to his death for it. Andrew went on to share the gospel in, in what's called the land of the man-eaters, the land of the cannibals, right? It, what is now called the Soviet Union. And then he went off to Turkey, into Greece, and then he was crucified as well. Doubting Thomas was probably the most active um, in the area east of Syria. Tradition has him preaching as far east as India where the ancient Marthama Christians revere him as their founder. They claim that he was pierced through with spears four times by four different soldiers because he preached the gospel. And then Philip went on to Carthage in North Africa and then back to Asia Minor where he was arrested and cruelly put to death by the Romans. Matthew the tax collector. He went on to Persia in Ethiopia, where he was stabbed to death for preaching the gospel. Simon, Simon the Zealot, right? The story goes on that he was in Persia sharing the gospel, and he refused to sacrifice to the Persian sun god, and so they sacrificed him Matthias was the one who was chosen to replace Judas after Judas' betrayal. He was sent into Syria with Andrew, and he was burned alive for sharing the gospel. And then we have the one that Jesus loved. Oh, we have John, who was exiled on the, on the island of Patmos to die alone because he wouldn't stop sharing the gospel. And that was after they tried to boil him alive, and that didn't work. That couldn't stop him. And so they put him on an island to die alive. And so look at the discipleship here. Jesus, listen, instead of being angry with him, instead of, instead of being angry and upset with him and scolding them, he, he's patient with them. His patience and persistence is something that we should behold. We should fall to our knees and worship. Listen, he has been patient with us for far too long. Have you been sharing the gospel like this? Have you become the evangelist? Are you willing to die for your rabbi? We have an example to follow here, right? I have an example to follow. I must be patient with you as I, as I call you to evangelism, but I must also be persistent with you, and I must show you what a true evangelist looks like. Behold the bleeding woman. The more you know you need him. The more you know, the more active you will be at sharing the gospel. But there's also something else of interest in this text, especially when you start to understand that this text was written by a Jew to Jews. You see, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus had disciples because rabbis had disciples. And and disciples wanted to be just like their rabbi. And, and, And so we must ask the question... Did the disciples ultimately die for trying to advance the kingdom of God just like Jesus did? Well, the obvious answer is yes, they did that. But I want to ask another question. Did they become like him in his living as well? We know they became like him in their death, but did they become like him in his living? Because at the end of verse 56, it says that that everywhere they went, people begged, or everywhere that Jesus went, people begged, they might just touch the end of his robe to become, because they knew that his robe would heal him. So did the other disciples become like the rabbi in this way? Well, Maybe think about Peter for a moment. This is going to become very interesting and very controversial. I get that. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, um, it indicates that as the shadow of Peter would fall on somebody, they would be healed. And so this is similar. Jesus has discipled Peter. You see, the, the apostles were given the authority and the power of Jesus to heal and cast out demons, and that was done earlier in, in, in Mark chapter 6, and they failed to use that power. They didn't actually know how bad they needed him, right? And, and so then he takes them to Gennesaret to show them, and they miss it again. But at some point after the resurrection, uh, Peter begins to get it. And so in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, it makes it very clear that in a real way, Peter is becoming more and more like his rabbi in a progressive way. He's growing. As his faith is increased, he is now clearly seeing exactly who Jesus is. He's finally seeing that Jesus is God. And now he's beginning to realize how badly he needs the gospel. And so his evangelism is increasing. And as his evangelism is increasing, he begins taking the gospel out to everyone he knows and everywhere he can go. He takes the mission of God very serious. And as he does that, just like Jesus did that, then he begins growing in his ability to heal people. And so some would argue that because Jesus, um, had, that he had this ability because Jesus gave him that unique authority. And so Peter had this authority, but not all disciples do. They call that cessationism. Well, then let us also consider Paul. See, Paul was not directly discipled by Jesus. Paul became a disciple after Jesus' death. And so, although he was converted on the road to Damascus by Jesus himself in a similar way, Paul is discipled by another disciple, not by Jesus. But then in Acts chapter 19, we discover something very, very unusual, right? Something very different about Paul. As cloth touches Paul's skin... Those cloths are then taken to you to be used to heal those who have various diseases. And then, whenever those cloths become, you know, come near somebody or touch somebody who has a demon, those demons come out of those people. And so, in a real way, although Paul is not discipled by Jesus directly, Jesus ends up through the discipleship of other disciples making Paul just like him. You see, Paul was fiercely devoted to evangelism. Fiercely, it eventually got him martyred for being an evangelist, right? But he also gained the ability to heal others in a similar way that Jesus did. So, the logical question—the question that must be asked according to this text and, and according to the rest of the Book of Acts—in Acts chapter nine and, and Acts chapter uh, sorry, Acts chapter five and Acts chapter nineteen—is, first of all, should all disciples be committed to evangelism? Well, I hope that's clear from this text, right? Their hearts were hardened because they weren't. So maybe you're in danger of your heart becoming hardened because you are not fiercely committed to evangelism. And the second, I want to ask another question. Is it possible to to become like him? Like, is it actually possible to become like him where you have the ability to heal somebody else? Do all disciples have this ability and opportunity? Or has this piece of discipleship disappeared with the death of the apostles? Is cessationism true? Well, Well, it doesn't take long, like, if you do a quick search of missionaries um, around the world, you will find that many missionaries who were out taking the gospel out to unknown and unreached people actually had the ability to heal. Like, if you just pull up your web, br- up your web browser and Google, you'll be, you'll begin to find case after case after case throughout the last 2,000 years as missionaries were engaging and sharing the gospel in evangelism as they were doing it, as they were pressing into that, they became aware of how much they needed Jesus, and so they knew everybody else needed Jesus, so they took Jesus out there, and when they did that, miracles were happening. Now, listen, we can completely write off the phony and fake miracles of Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. What a scam. But the question is, do miracles still happen in the realm of evangelism? And I think, church, that we're quick to explain this away because we lack discipleship. You see, I believe discipleship is directly tied to the mission. I believe, I believe that becoming like Jesus is actually directly tied to evangelism, which is why I always say, I always say this, like if you're going to go share the gospel, if you're going to go to the hospital to visit somebody, you need to share the gospel for with them. I, I say that like I'm, when I coach anybody who's going to be going to the hospital to, to talk to somebody who's sick, I always say, if nothing else happens, you need to share the gospel with them because more than physical healing, they need spiritual healing, right? We saw that pattern in Jesus's life. More than physically being redeemed, they need to be spiritually redeemed. And what is crazy about that is we have seen healings in our own church because of that. Because when we step foot into the hospital, we say more than anything else, more than being healed right now, this person needs the gospel. And so if you've ever been with me on a hospital visit, you know that's what's going to happen. And we've seen people get healed. So that is something to note. You see, there's something to this fact that as a disciple takes the gospel out... Right, and they're desperately taking the gospel out. they know how bad they need Jesus and they and more than anything, they want to become like the rabbi, right? The rabbi was an evangelist, they want to be an evangelist too. And so when they take the gospel out in the processes of, of evangelism, in the field of evangelism, in the realm of evangelism, that is where we actually see miracles happening. Right? Like Jesus wasn't standing and in, 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 in like going to synagogue after synagogue healing people. He was going out with the gospel, spreading the kingdom of God, and as he was doing that, miracles were happening. So I think that's why we see missionaries going out and miracles happening. So why aren't we seeing this in America? Why aren't we seeing this in churches in America or in the, in the mission field in America? Well, first of all, I don't really think the mission field in America exists, right? Like disciples church. Let me, let me let's just talk about this for a minute. Like, I think it's because most churches in America are filled with disciples, like are filled with the disciples in Mark chapter six who have been forced into the boat, right? I think most churches are filled with people who have to be forced to go and evangelize. It's completely different. And, and so I think that's like they're reluctant to share the gospel. They hesitate to share the gospel. They're not excited about sharing the gospel because they don't know how badly they actually need Jesus. You see, those who share the gospel are those who know they desperately need the gospel. And those who do that, that is the realm and the place where miracles actually happen. You see, I was asking my kids at the table last night about this. I said, why do you think... Like, why do you think we haven't followed the path of discipleship? Meaning, why don't we actively share the gospel to our deaths? And why aren't we becoming more like Jesus with the ability to heal? And out of the mouth of my son, Christian Warren, he said this, probably because we're not disciples. Out of the mouth of a child, he answered the conundrum. He said, it's probably because we're not even disciples. You see, I think he may actually be seeing what has been right in front of our faces all along. Instead of being like the insider, the bleeding woman who has been advancing the gospel, we've become like the disciples who are sitting in a boat, who are reluctant and hesitate and not willing to share the gospel because we don't actually know how badly we need Jesus. And and so at this point, we must wrestle with the question, have you actually been discipled? So as we close, like, like, I just want to wrestle with three kind of main points of application, three simple ways to kind of figure out, have you actually been disciple? Have, are you growing in likeness? Are you becoming more and more like your rabbi? For that is the option that we live for. More than anything else, more than anything else, we want to be just like Jesus, right? We want to be advancing the gospel from town to town, from house to house, from city to city, from workplace, to workplace, from conversation to conversation, because we know that we are at war with the powers of darkness. See, I can see three things from, from really the two previous texts that I think are staring us right in the face, and we will miss them if we don't open our eyes. First of all, disciples, you must have a clear view of who Jesus is. Right? Like, you must have a clear view of who he is. Jesus was trying to reveal himself to the disciples in the boat when he passed them by. If you missed that that sermon last week, go go listen to that. Because you're going to have to understand them. Do you see him as he really is? Do you understand who Jesus really is? Do you understand that he is God in the flesh who is wearing tassels on the edge of his robes that represent his perfect life? You see, he controls life, he controls death, he controls the sea, he controls the demonic, he controls your health. He has power over the weather and all things are under his control. He is the great I am. He is Yahweh in the flesh. He lived perfectly. And the tassels that hung around his waist are, are representations of a perfect life. Do you see him for who he really is or do you just see him as a guy? who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, do you know who he really is? And have you reached out and touched the edge of his robe? Do you understand what it means to exchange your tassels for his? And then second, disciples, do you have a clear view of yourself? Do you see the reality? You see, you are far more sinful than you can ever imagine. And these physically broken people knew that. These physically broken people knew exactly how spiritually broken they were. And so as their tassels were hanging around their waist, it would have been an indictment against them. And so they knew that. They knew how broken they were. But at the same time, you see, you are far more loved than you could ever imagine. You see, this perfect God in the flesh, Jesus, Jesus, is willing to exchange your life for his you see, not only like, are you far more sinful, as Tim Keller would put it, you are far more loved than you can ever imagine because he has been patient with you, right? And if you would just reach out and touch him, he will heal you. He is not angry with you, disciples. like he's not angry over your lack of evangelism, but he will be persistent in calling you to the mission. You will never share the gospel until you first come to grips with how bad you really are and how much you actually need him. Whenever you discover that, whenever you see how bad you really are and how much you need the gospel, then you will be desperate to share the gospel with everyone. So second point of application, do you see yourself clearly? You are far more wicked and far more sinful and far more broken than you can ever imagine. But do you see Jesus? He is far more loving and more patient and more kind than you can ever imagine. And then third. And then third, the, the lesson that we get here is you must become the evangelist. Like disciples, if you are gonna grow in Christ likeness, if you are gonna grow in your ability to be more like Jesus, if you are gonna grow, like you must be willing to die to advance the gospel. You must not be reluctant, you must you must not be forced into the boat, you know, you must not be forced out of this house to go share the gospel. You must become like him. If you really want to become like him, then you must take on the mission work of him. You must become his disciple. You must be willing to share the gospel, even if it costs you your life, your job, your friends, your family. You must be you must be devoted to the cause of evangelism. As if, as if it's the only thing that matters. You see, just like Jesus in our previous text, and just like the disciples, we are tempted to avoid the path of suffering when it comes to avoid or when it comes to sharing the gospel because we don't want to lose what we have. Jesus was tempted and he passed his test, and now we are tempted to do the same thing. But we must not we must not hesitate. We must get out there and share the gospel. Listen, church, I'm not saying that if you clearly grasp these these three things, you must that you will be able to heal others, or that if somebody touches you, they'll be healed. But what I am saying is if you can clearly see who Jesus is and then you can clearly see who you are and that you are devoted to the gospel like your life depends on it by sharing the gospel, then when you touch the lives of others, they will be healed spiritually. And I, and I do actually think, I do actually think that as we, as we press into that mission field all around us right here in America, that we will actually see miracles at work again. You see, those who share the gospel are those who desperately need the gospel. They know. Oh, they know how desperate they are. And so they take the gospel everywhere. Thank you for listening to this message. If you would like to know more about Jesus, the gospel, discipleship, or Disciples Church, you can contact me at ChristopherHogue at yahoo.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-H-O-G-U-E at yahoo.com. Church, we have been sent into the world to make disciples. Let's go make disciples.